Welcome to Care of Souls, a podcast of 180 Ministries where Dr. Stuart Scott serves as the executive director. 180 Ministries equips local churches with biblical counseling by offering counseling, education, and consulting services. Visit our website at 180ministries.org to learn more about how we can serve you. This podcast is being recorded in cooperation with the Masters University, where Dr. Scott also serves as a professor of biblical counseling. Visit their website at masters.edu to learn more about their programs in biblical counseling. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Smith, and today on the Care of Souls podcast, I'm here with Dr. Stuart Scott and Pastor Adam Tyson. Today's one another is a slippery one because it seems to be a little hard to pin down at times and clearly define, which is do not lie to one another from Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. It reads, Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Adam and Stuart, take it away. Mm. All right. Well, what an important um, subject to talk about today. We want to speak the truth, and uh, we don't want to lie to one another. No. So it's a daily uh, occurrence in our hearts and lives to make sure we're doing just that. So maybe we could start off today, maybe just defining exactly what is a lie. Oh, uh, boy, when you get into put off all falsehood, right? Don't lie is part of falsehood. Uh, I think of Ephesians 4, where it says put off all all falsehood and speak the truth to one another. Lying would be um, an intent to deceive someone. It's not withholding truth that a person doesn't need to know certain truth. Uh, if a five-year-old says, "How? where did my brother come from? Parents won't tell all of the details, and that's not an intent to deceive. But you, can't, t- but you just can't say in that moment, they fell out of heaven. Right? No, you can't. Uh, but that's not the intent to deceive. It's just I don't have to tell everything. Uh, a need to know at that point. But when there's an, a motive of an intent to deceive, and the goal is not love and to build up and be Christ-like, yeah. uh, you're going to destroy a relationship. And so it, it, it is a partial truth is a lie. Exaggerating is a form of lying. Yeah. So it, it's not the truth. So it's any deviation away from truth with the intent to deceive. And a big part of that is the intent to deceive. Yeah. You know what is the truth, and mm-hmm. you know what is not the truth, and you are you are trying to communicate in such a way that you're not going to communicate the truth, but something else to right. make someone think something else. Yeah. So let's talk just for a moment about how sometimes in the home, uh, we talk about don't tell a fib. Uh, is that an appropriate um, nomenclature or way to call this idea of don't lying, or would you encourage us to shy away from saying, hey, don't tell a fib? Yeah, I would probably say let's use the words that the Spirit has taught us in the Word of God. So a fib, uh, a little white lie, you know, as if they come color coded. It's speak truth, and and you know, it's again, it's in replacing habits again. You know, because we're in Christ now, we're to live differently, as the text said there in in Colossians three. So I can't stop lying, because our sinful flesh will gravitate obviously in that direction is I have to always be speaking truth and then I'm not lying. So it's it's pursuing intentionally, I want to speak truth because the spirit of truth indwells us and to glorify God and to build up one another, then I'm not lying. So when is a liar not a liar? 
It's not when he's not lying, it's when he's always speaking the truth. Wow, what a positive way to think about it so that we're not trying to walk away, uh, walk around just trying to not right. speak a lie, but we want to go around encouraging one another, speaking words of truth from God's word, being honest, open, transparent about the situation, and even asking for help and for grace if yeah. we're in the middle of a difficult situation that might where we might be tempted to lie. Yeah, and usually the temptation to lie is when we're afraid afraid of getting found out, afraid of something happening. And uh, that's when the temptation seems to be the greatest to lie. You know, you're going to be in trouble. A child's going to be in trouble. So they lie. Yeah. If somebody finds out what you were really doing in that moment, uh, they may not be pleased with you. And so we want to tell a story. It's another word for lying that's used in our vernacular, in our culture, instead of just telling the truth as it happened. Yeah. And I, I, one of the things that's helped me a lot, not only personally, but also in counseling, uh, is when David uh, said in Psalm 141, verse 3, you know, set a guard, O, o Lord, over the, the door of my mouth, keep watch over my lips. It, you know, what are some things that can help me before I say things that may be untrue? What are we saying? Uh, how are we going to say it? Why are we going to say it? How much are we going to say? Where are we going to say it? And when are we going to say it? If we can just think before the things are uttered, it'll really help us to communicate truth and not initially a lie comes out uh, to cover ourselves. It's really thinking through carefully what to say that's truthful and will build up. Part of that's what the Bible says about being slow to speak. Yeah, and maybe right. we're not just quick to get in and start yeah. to let out a lot of words about a situation. Yeah. Maybe we need to think about it first. Yeah. Yeah, well, what's going on in the context here of Colossians 3, where we read this admonition not to lie to one another? What's happening there in that chapter? Well, the first couple chapters are uh, often what's called positional. It's what Christ has done for us and in us. We're new creatures. We've been justified by faith. And because we're in Christ now, now we need to walk in a way that pleases him. So there's that turn there at the beginning of chapter 3, if you have been raised with Christ, now start living this way. Seek the things above, and it says put to death certain things, and now put on certain things. Uh, a parallel passage would be Ephesians, same, same kind of layout of this is what Christ has done for us. This is who we are in Christ. Now, therefore, walk in a manner worthy. And very, very similar, I mean, very parallel here uh, in Ephesians 4, where it says, put off, uh, therefore having put away falsehood, let each one speak the truth with his neighbor for we're members of one another. So it ties it to Christ. It ties it to the body of Christ. We're yeah. members of one another and uh, speaking truth, not lying. So it's this new way to live out Christ-likeness because yeah. we're in him. That's right. So we belong to Christ now. We're no longer our own. We're in Christ's body. Right. So we have brothers and sisters in Christ. And anytime we lie to somebody, we're hurting Christ and we're hurting our brother and our sister who we're lying to. Right. And so that's it. It's a much deeper thing than just saying, hey, try to go out throughout your day without telling a lie today. Right. It's like, think about these things. And what does it mean to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to be focusing on truth so that you can be speaking truth all throughout the day and not just trying to mist up a non-truth? Right. And often you'll hear people say, well, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm trying to avoid hurting someone, so I lied. Well, that actually hurt them because lying destroys relationships where truth... Uh, Christ-like relationships are built on truth. 
So in, in fact, you really are hurting uh, your relationship with whoever you lied to. Yeah. Well, let's take that one for for a second. Let's say someone asks you a point blank, blank question. You know, maybe I got done uh, preaching a sermon and I look at my wife and say, honey, what did you think of that sermon? And let's say in that moment, she didn't really think it was that great, you know, oh. but she doesn't want to hurt me. Right. These are the kind of situations that come up all the time. How would you encourage someone to respond when they're asked a point blank question and they know that if they are truthful, yeah. that maybe their answer may not be encouraging? Yeah, and I, I think that goes back to what are we going to say? How are we going to say it? Is this the time to say it? Because sometimes it's not the time to say what yeah. you want to say. And it, so for someone like that who goes, wow, I really didn't think it was all that great. Is there anything positive that can be said? Christ did that with the churches in the book of Revelation. So it, again, it's a, a there are good things. How can you encourage not just... Uh, say something you don't appreciate about what was said. And so there's a way that I think a wife could encourage her husband in saying, Boy, well, this was excellent, that was excellent. I don't know if I agreed or I thought that was the best thing that you said there, but it wasn't It wasn't so bad or right. you know, just temperate. But yeah. I, I think she needs to speak truth rather than just saying, oh, it was wonderful, honey. And if that's not true, She's lying, and it's a sin against our conscience. Yeah, and um, and it really hurts you because it may come out at another time. That well, but you said back there, you said it was great, but now you're saying so. Now I don't even know what to trust and what you say, and it really does dismantle trust. Yeah. It's really one of the first steps of good communication, isn't it? We yep. can't trust one another if we're not telling the full truth to one another right. in a way that loves and honors God and respects that person enough to tell them what you really think. Right. But it's always going to be seasoned with salt, yep. filled with grace, mm-hmm. and in a way that you're actually trying to edify them by telling the truth instead of somehow harm them or tear them down. Right. Sometimes we use the term being brutally honest. <laughs> Maybe that's kind of part of what we're talking about here. There's yeah. It's not a good Christian habit to be brutally honest if that honesty is going to be tearing down someone else. Yeah. Back to that parallel passage in Ephesians 4, it's when we do speak, it says here, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up that it may give grace to those who hear. So it has to be truth with grace. Uh, It can't just be shoot straight with me. You better have grace on it and a motive of love, not just, I just want to let you have it. Yeah, And uh, the, the motive may be malice rather than love. Let's talk for a moment about the teenager who's really struggling, just speaking the truth. And uh, parents are asking, what did you do tonight when you were out with your friends? And did you get your homework done? And all those kind of things that happen in the house on a regular basis. And let's say the parents are starting to pick up that they have a, a, a young child, an older child, or even a teenager who just habitually is not really telling the truth. How would you encourage that parent to address that with their child? Yeah, I think um, it, not at a volatile time to try to address the issue in depth, but at another time when things are going pretty well. It just doesn't seem to go well when there's already a, emotions are riding high. But it may be a time when uh, they're doing quite well, uh, as best as possible, to be able to just explain how relationships are built and that parents want to trust and they want to allow freedom and privileges, mm. but those come with truth. 
Yes. And respect. Mm -hmm. uh, obedience would be right in and midst of there. So if you want, the end game is if you want to be trusted and you want privileges and freedom, uh, then you have to speak the truth respectfully and be responsible. And I think that's a way of presenting them. What is it that you are wanting here? I don't think you want to be micromanaged and be and have privileges removed and life gets really hard uh, if you keep going down that path. Yeah. So kind of helping them see not just the short gain, but the long gain. Yeah, but you're saying that we want to look for a good time to shepherd our children in a way that helps them see the wisdom behind putting off, yeah. putting on trust. Yeah. But let's just say a parent catches their child in a bold-faced lie. Yeah. And in that moment, it's going to be tense and emotional oh, yeah. because the parent's like, hey, well, hold on a second. I know you're lying to me right now. Right. There's no way to soften that. And yeah. does it need to be softened? Or there are moments like that where maybe they do need to be confronted outright in that moment, oh, yeah. in the open, where it's going to be tense for everybody. But you just got to do what you got to do, right? Yeah. If, if the facts, if you have the facts, um, it does need to be approached. Uh, I, I'm not, I remember I got caught numerous times lying growing up. Uh, we caught our children at different times. <laughs> this uh, happens in every home. In every home. So and, what, what would you encourage the parent in, in the moment and then maybe in the days and weeks to follow as they're trying to help the child put off this sinful habit yeah. and be renewed in the spirit of their mind and put on a truth-speaking habit? Well, and the facts are, are truly there that there was a lie, and then you confront. Uh, there is discipline. Now, that may take different forms, obviously, right. when they're in the teen years, but their privileges are then revoked. I mean, there, there are certain things taken away. There may be some other hardship added uh, as part of discipline. So yeah. removal of privileges, maybe some other things that they have to do. But to leave them there and just say, well, that's it for you know two, three weeks of restriction kind of a thing, it's, it's good to say, but you can work your way out of this. Yeah. There's hope. And I think it's the gospel message, right? There's right. there's hope. You can change. And if you start speaking to us in a respectful and, and truthful way, privileges will then be gradually added and being responsible. We can earn trust. Yeah. Trust can be earned back. So there's hope. It's not like you're in the, quote, doghouse for two, three weeks, and we're not going to talk to you and give the cold treatment. That's awful. Yeah. You know, we're going to love you, but... We're going to help you. This is growth and wisdom. We're going to help you be because that's part of the gospel message. Which requires accountability, mm -hmm. which it is yep. okay to verify yep. what's being said. I'm just thinking about someone who's in, in the throes of habitual liar. Right. Parents would say, man, I need to help my child right here, right now, change who they are, learn to be a, a true speaker. It also happens in marriage, though. There are couples who go through difficult times, and uh, maybe they've been lied to about what a spouse did do or didn't do, whether it's something secretive, like right. a, a husband viewing pornography online, yep. and then he's been lying about it, and his wife catches him in something like that. Right. Or maybe the wife's not been truthfully speaking about how she's been budgeting her, you know, her part of the budget with purchasing things for the home or clothes and the husband continues to catch her in that, how would you recommend a couple just work through that together if they're caught in something like that? Yeah, and I think that the depth of whatever the issue is that they've lied about, uh, trust goes way down depending on what and how long yeah. the lying has been going on. If it was a one-time thing, it's different than a pattern. Yeah. 
But you'd say it's pretty rare to have a one-time lie. It seems um, to me that almost always there's some kind of pattern going on. Well, yeah, if you look, I think if you look deep enough, you'll see some patterns that yeah. even uh, for like, um, like when David committed adultery, that was one time. Mm-hmm. It, there was not a pattern of that. Mm-hmm. When he committed murder and put it, her husband to death, Uriah, yeah. that was a one time. Right. So. It, but you could see some things happening in David's life that may have led up to that. I, I would say those two things were one time, but it feels like he lied about it for a year. Yeah, that's you know, true. By continually yeah, true. denying it in some type yeah. of form until Nathan finally came that's and confronted right. him. Yeah. But anyway, you're saying that uh, it, with lying, we want to help depending on the depth of it, the extent of it. We want to address it head on and we may need to get help. I, usually you have to, because it's very difficult for a wife to hold a husband accountable. That, that's an awkward place to be in. Uh, he's the God-given head in that relationship, and now she's going to be holding him accountable. It's good to have a, a brother in Christ yeah. who can come alongside of him. But there'll be different um, increments of right. trust yeah. and, and checkpoints. Mm-hmm. So if he says, hey, I was doing this, um, and she has... She should have the red carpet to check out uh, the internet. Right. Uh, the same would be for the budget. He yeah. could check on things. And if her word is true and she now is speaking truth and yeah. not lying, trust, boy, goes up right. exponentially. So, so I forgive you right away. Oh, absolutely. But it's going to take a while to build up my trust. Right. And in building up that trust, it's okay for me to check and verify if what you're saying is true, because I want to learn to trust you again. Right. Or have others check up one way or the other, but there's checkpoints that help build trust. So yes, forgiveness uh, is immediate upon confession and repentance, but trust is not immediate. Trust comes in increments. And there's really two things going on here. One is the lie. And the second thing is, what are they lying about? Yeah. And if that is a sinful uh, thing that they're lying about, which usually you mentioned earlier, you're trying to cover something up, you're afraid someone would find out something, we're really working on two things at this point. We, we are. It, um, for like Abraham, when he lied about his wife, Sarah, yes, he lied. That's one issue. The other is he's fearful. Yeah. Uh, fearful of for his own safety's sake. So yeah, you're right. There are other heart issues that have to be addressed. And the good news is, is we're addressing the heart. We're not just simply saying, set a guard over your right. mouth not to lie, but right. with that comes renewing the heart, renewing the mind, speaking the truth, focusing on the gospel, growing in your character. Yeah. There's a lot to go into counseling somebody who has a habit of lying. Yes. And and really the hope of the gospel, I mean, it, both in Colossians and in Ephesians, is praise God, there is forgiveness, there's grace, you can change, you can grow, you can actually become a truth teller when before maybe you were a chronic liar. Yeah, praise the Lord for yeah. his word that is truth, the Amen. spirit of truth that lives in us, yeah. that we can learn to speak the truth and to do so in love. And I think too, if you do lie, Part of spiritual maturity is how fast you acknowledge it and confess it, because we are going to sin. And when it happens, though, if it's a long time right. to confess, that's not encouraging. But the more we grow in Christ, the more we go, man, I've I've hurt uh, my communion with the Lord, and I've hurt the person. I'm going to quickly confess and that's spiritual maturity is how fast. Yeah, it's kind of like you've been searing your conscience. Yeah. 
And now you're building it back up yep. and you're strengthening your conscience so that the first time you start to tell a half truth yes. or you start to do something that's deceptive, you immediately catch that and say, you know what, I'm not going to go down that path. Yeah. I'm just going to tell them what happened. I'm going to ask for grace and for wisdom and we're going to work through this yeah. because life's too short for me to be hiding behind right. something every every day. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Great discussion, guys. Thanks for your insights into the respectable sin of lying and teaching us how to be truthful. Some action items and questions for you, our listeners, and all of us to think about and apply to our lives from today's discussion include identifying the last time you lied, including exaggerating the truth or neglecting to tell the whole truth, with discretion, of course, evaluating your reasons for lying. Were you trying to please people or make yourself look better than someone else? Consider what truth you should have told, even if it was just part of the truth you left out. And lastly, think of some ways that you can right any wrongs, repent of any lying or exaggeration before the Lord, and reconcile with others by telling the truth. This brings us to the end of our time today. We'll be back with our next installment of the Care of Souls podcast with Dr. Stuart Scott and Pastor Adam Tyson soon. Until then, take care. Thank you for joining us today on Care of Souls. We hope you were challenged and encouraged by the truth from Scripture and are better equipped to serve Christ in His church. Visit our website at 180ministries.org to learn more about our resources and services. Until next time, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. May the Lord bless you as you abide in Him.